to express yourself where teens talk and the world listens presented by star style productions as an international outreach program of be the star you are charity you'll rock to an hour of adolescent fusion with your teen hosts and on-air reporters meet and chat with cool celebrities exhilarating experts and tenacious teens with subjects regarding anything and everything that you want to know it's time to kick off the fun with our star teens welcome to express yourself food is everything we are It's an extension of the nationalist feeling, ethnic feeling, your personal history, your province, your region, your tribe, your grandma. It's inseparable from those from the get-go. Anthony Bourdain. Hello and welcome to Express Yourself. We are a program by, for, and with creative young people. A platform to give teens a voice right here on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. From Cynthia Bryan, producer of Express Yourself and Star Style Productions, we bring this program to the airways as an outreach service of the Be The Star You Are charity, a top nonprofit honored by GuideStar and great nonprofits. For today's show, Be The Star You Are wants to thank everyone who has volunteered and supported Be The Star You Are over the years. We are thrilled to be serving the world. If you'd like to help us celebrate being a top nonprofit with a donation, please visit www.btsya.com. That's www.btsya.com. Every dollar counts, and we will use the funds for our outreach programs. Make sure to listen to Express Yourself wherever you listen to radio or music. That's iTunes, Amazon, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Spotify, and more. We broadcast from the Empowerment Channel on Voice America Radio, the largest radio network in the world. Hi, I'm Rose Sarner, the host for today's show. And today's show is all about the culture of food. In our second segment, we'll be having high school student and food connoisseur Alex Ehrlich to share what food means to her. And in our first segment, we have Sharanya who will be sharing her own haiku about food. Hello, this is Sharanya, and welcome to my segment, The Scribble. And today's topic is making me very excited. Food, what's not to love about it? So today, I'm going to somehow mesh food and writing, two things I completely enjoy together. Before I start rambling my usual course about writing, I want to emphasize how much I love food. My favorite cuisines are Indian, Japanese, Korean, and Italian. I love Indian food because there are so many spices that essentially elevate the entire experience and many sweets that are actually underrated but are really good. And they're one of my favorite desserts. Japanese cuisine is one of my favorites because of the fresh seafood. The food is perfectly good without cooking for a long time. Things like sushi and sashimi just have so much flavor without a lot of ingredients. Korean is just so diverse and there are so many different options to pick from. My personal favorite right now is the dish called taekboki and 
there are other dishes like fried chicken and there are so many choices you can pick from no matter what you want to eat and for italian i think the aroma is so tantalizing that i'm just drawn to it pasta garlic bread i love all of that i need to stop rambling about food and i really need to get back on track and talk about what the scribble encompasses writing i know probably many of you are avid foodies loving use some food or great chefs wielding a spatula and knife with these and i want all of you to be able to hold a pencil and write without tension unlike how i'm sweating five buckets while holding a knife trying to chop something i know we have all ate before that's a given and today we're gonna we're going into analogies in literature food and character analogies they seem quiet analogies Lucas, get what I did there? No, I think that sounded better in my head because you know they have the same Greek roots of analogia and of charonia. All right, so I was talking about foods and analogies in literature, and they actually connect really well if you think about it. Think about one of your absolute favorite foods. Mine is probably an ingredient for many desserts: chocolate. So think about yours and make a web chart. What are the qualities? Or if you don't want to make that effort of scrawling everything down onto a piece of paper, just keep it in your brain. That works too. So for chocolate, I'm racking my brains right now. Sweet, creamy, crispy, sugary, bitter for dark chocolate. And I absurdly, I absurdly like all types of chocolate. I'm not a very big fan of white chocolate, but chocolate is also versatile. Those are the adjectives i can spout out from the top of my brain so make your web chart and try to fit it all into your brain if you can so when do you, so when you do you can now listen to my next words now i hope you guys read a book in the past week or so or in the past summer i really hope so so try to find resemblances between the character and the food weird i know how can there be resemblances between a character and a food? Well, let me go into depth. I recently read a book called Girl in the Blue Coat. I really loved it. It was an interesting take on historical fiction, and I absolutely loved it. But thoughts aside, I think you can describe each character as a food, because somehow in my head, and probably countless other food characteristics match with characters often. For me, in The Girl in the Blue Coat, the main character represented a twisted version of chocolate. I'm trying my best not to spoil the book, but Haneke, the main character, used to be very sweet and outgoing, like milk chocolate, but now has become bitter. This is quite the opposite to the process of making commercial chocolate, considering the cocoa powder was once bitter and now it's milk chocolate, which is sweet. Haneke is also extremely versatile because she doesn't focus on one part of the war to take revenge um, against. She uses all her skill, skills to help the revenge um, of the war, and it perfectly is showing her versatility. And she knits together all her skills, which is something I think chocolate can do too. And... This is going to be the weirdest part, but her personality in the book came off curt and kind of hidden. 
and she only talked when she needed to, which gave off crispy vibes, you know, like easily broken, easily being able to be curbed. Weird, you might be thinking again, but I believe you can get to know characters more off by resembling foods. In the same book, there's a character, Bass. You can directly resemble him to pizza. He was everybody's favorite because of his ability to be the life of the party, which pizza is. I don't think anybody pays attention to anything else when pizza is being served in a birthday party. That's the main character. And he had the amazing ability to help everyone for their special needs. Toppings. If you don't like pepperoni, you like something else. You can put anything on pizza and make it taste good. So, ultimately, we can compare our characters with foods. Shocking, I know. Anyways, I wrote a poem appreciating the very beauty of food. This poem is not a free verse, though. It's a new type of poem called a cinquain poem. It's kind of like a haiku, but has a two, four, six, eight, two syllable pattern describing something unlike the haiku pattern. Today is obviously going to be about food, so let's get started. What food am I going to do? I don't want to go with the typical favorite food theme, so I thought why not use a random food generator and I put in 10 foods and spun it. And guess what I landed on? The American favorite hot dogs. I don't know about all of you, but I need the mustard on my hot dog or else. Anyways, let me get started. So before I get started, actually, I want to say that we often confuse free verse poems and Sinquain poems. And we think free verse poems have more weight and, are, and more effort are put into them. But that's not always true because it doesn't matter how long or short a poem is. It actually matters on the content and how much the reader likes it. So now let's get started. Hot dogs spreads notes of joy, a play of German words. Showing the American dream. Pleasing. Wow, that was so pretty. And I loved how you like connected the book to the theme of our show. It's so inspiring how you're able to find patterns within everyday life and the books you read at home. And I was curious if you could tell us a little bit more about the history of Sinquain poems. Yeah, sure. So Sinquain comes from medieval French poetry, and you can find examples of it in many European languages, but the origin is from medieval France. So a Sinquain is a five-line poem, and it was invented by Adelaide Crapsey, and she was actually not French, but American. And she took her inspiration from the Japanese haiku and tonka. So then the first place where Sinquin was published was in 1950 in a collection of poems titled Verse, and it included 28 Sinquins. And I think it changes a lot in literature. Every time a new method of writing is created, I think there's this new stepping stone that's built for literature as a whole. Yeah, definitely. I couldn't agree more with what you've said. Um, and I know you like read a lot of books, like you were mentioning in 
our segment and you have a whole segment on literature and do you have like a favorite book or a favorite character to compare to as food or just like to compare to as anything food related um well totally food related i'd probably say since hunger games is my favorite food i'm not i mean not my favorite food that was silly um my favorite book um probably a character from hunger games and i'd um say i think i'd say probably um rue she was in the first book and i'm not gonna say katniss even though she's my favorite character i feel that rue had so many qualities that could be actually represented as a line because she was sour to people who weren't nice to her but in the meantime, she complimented everybody so well in The Hunger Games. And I think that's the reason why I loved reading it so much, because of Rue's presence and her ability to complement everything in the story and knit it together so well. Yeah, and I think it's so interesting how she's like a character that she's not just like you mentioned, like a protagonist or an antagonist. She's like really has specialties in all different sides of the book and is able to explore and engage with different characters and kind of be a character with a lot of dimension to it. So do you think it's necessary, connecting it back to poems and stuff, do you think it's necessary to branch into different styles of poems and writing? Um, so as I said before, that we shouldn't like, it sounds silly, but we shouldn't necessarily discriminate um, literature into different parts, like just because it's shorter, it's not, we don't put in that much effort. So I think it's very necessary because then you can actually find what you're good at and help yourself get better at others. Because when you know what you're good at and what you need to improve, I think there's this very clear knowledge of where you can stand as a writer. And I think that's really important. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And do you do you have any tips for like, people listening about how to write a poem themselves too like if they wanted to start writing poems like you've been doing yeah sure so um first experimenting is always key because you can start with free verse poems you can start with any type of poem you want and when you start experimenting, you get a hang of what you really want to do and what you want to write, what you find joy in writing. So when you get a hang of that, I think you can take inspiration from every day or a thought that's been bubbling throughout your head. You can use that all the time and using these inspirations and that creates a poem because writing is basically you putting yourself in words. Yeah, thank you so much for answering. I know for me, I struggle with like writing isn't my best um, strong suit. So I think it's really helpful for you to give little tips and tricks um, during your segment to help viewers at home too, if they're wanting to start. Um, and unfortunately, that's it for this segment. So make sure you stay tuned for our next segment where we will hear from Alex Ehrlich all about her experience dining throughout the world. The star you are 
light up the flame that burns. Make a world of difference in a world of differences when you support Be the Star You Are 501c3, a literacy and positive media charity dedicated to empowering women, families, and youth. Visit BeTheStarYouAre.org to make a tax-deductible donation today. Everyone counts. Donate today. BeTheStarYouAre.org Be the lucky star you Are you a teen interested in becoming a radio personality? The Positive Message Outreach Program of Be The Star You Are Charity trains dedicated young people to be reporters and hosts on Express Yourself Teen Radio. Visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com for information. That's ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Don't forget to tune in to Express Yourself Tuesdays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Kids, where teens talk and the world listens. Star you are. Light up the flame that burns. Low literacy and poor communication skills have been identified in studies as major contributors to general conduct disorders, psychiatric disorders, criminal behavior, and adolescent suicide. To live and prosper in this society, we must be lifelong learners with access to knowledge and skills that can sustain our lives at work, at home, and in our communities. Be the Star You Are 501c3 charity has been working to increase literacy and improve positive message programming since 1999. You can help by making a tax-deductible donation today. Visit www.bethestarur.org. Everybody counts. www.bethestarur.org. Be the lucky star you You're listening to Express Yourself on the Voice America Kids channel, where teens talk and the world listens. Express Yourself is produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. For more information about our show, visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Now, back to our star teens. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Express Yourself. I'm your host, Rose Sarner, and today I'm thrilled to introduce my friend and food expert, Alex Ehrlich. Alex is a senior in Los Angeles, California, and passionate about all things food-related. Hey, Alex. Hi. Thanks so much for that lovely introduction. Um, I am. uh, That's true. I am obsessed with food, um, so much so that there's a running joke in my family that I have a food photographic memory. So I don't remember who won the Super Bowl in 2017, but I do know that we had chicken wings from the Korean fried chicken place up the street, brownies in the shape of mini footballs, and a fruit salad from the farmer's market. Um, So I started my restaurant bucket list when I was 12 years old, a task that will never be completed because every time I cross off one restaurant, I add on five more. And when it comes to restaurants, I'm, I'm not afraid to voice my opinions on the subject, bad or good, 
which is why I created my restaurant review Instagram and blog, Sweet and Savory LA. Currently, I work at AOC, which is a popular and super influential restaurant in Los Angeles, in Los, An Los Angeles, sorry, with a rotating menu of fresh dishes and seasonal ingredients. I do countless hours of research on um, many restaurants, practice different cooking techniques, and reach out to popular food writers and bloggers, which is why I am so excited to be here today. Thank you so much for having me, and I'm excited to talk about my favorite subject ever, food and its culture. Yay, I'm so glad to have you on. Um, Alex and I have gone on a lot of trips and traveled a lot together, and we have a joke because whenever I tell anyone where we go or, like, what we do, I'm always just, like, I'm so don't know about where we're eating. I just know I get treated very well on the trip. Rose, Rose makes me make all the reservations. <laughs> <laughs> so we have a lot of fun. So let's get into it. I have a couple questions I'm curious about asking. So my first question, I know this is a hard one for you, but... What is your favorite bite you have ever had? Or just maybe one of your couple favorites. Uh, that, and why? that is an impossible question, which I'm very angry that you even dared to ask. But one of my favorite foods in general is just bread and butter, like salted butter, super simple. And Republique, which is a restaurant in Los Angeles in Hancock Park, does, in my opinion, makes the best baguette and they have French Normandy butter. And it's like just two simple ingredients that is like the perfect pairing ever. And that is one of, I think, life's greatest pleasures, just bread and butter. But I also have to say, I have to add in, I love pork belly. I know Rose, our pescatarian over here, is not a huge fan. But um, there's a restaurant in downtown LA called Rice Box that makes this amazing kind of like a mix, a fusion between um, Cantonese food and... Um, almost like an Italian, like uh, an Italian technique for frying pork. And it's the best pork belly you've ever had. Wow. Those are two opposite kind of dishes, yeah. but I feel like they're both really important to have, like, and really important to have, like. You want to try the pork belly? No, not at all. But <laughs> I think it's really cool that you have such a diverse palate and you're able to try so many different things and really appreciate all the different types of cuisines there are. So, Going off of that, what do you look for, like, in a restaurant that you want to try, whether mm -hmm. it's, like, the culture, the experience, or the food in general? Got it. I say I have a bias towards I love I love Chinese food. I really do. But when it comes to a restaurant, I usually like some a new experience that I've never tried before. People joke that I'm not a restaurant repeater, which is true because – even if I love a restaurant, I always appreciate trying a new experience over an old one. Um, I think that I think that I look at articles to see new restaurants in LA, but in a restaurant, some of my favorite things are when it's all shared plates and it's kind of a curated small menu. Because when it's a small menu, you know that those chefs are focusing on those specific dishes. It's not like, no offense to the Cheesecake Factory, but it's not like... <laughs> 38 dishes that they don't have that don't that are I like when it's like seasonal especially when it uses seasonal produce that's also something I focus on because you're going to get the freshest and most delicious dishes that way right definitely I totally agree because I know I've talked about it a lot on this um on express yourself like I'm all for seasonal ingredients because it's where you're getting like the freshest food mm -hmm. and the most nutritious food too so and then also, like, I didn't even ask, but how did you have 
a passion for food and how did you start your passion? I think it, I, I'm definitely the most passionate out of my family, but in my dad, I think family is usually the source of all food love because based on, based on your family, it kind of like creates a relationship with food. My mom has always been an amazing cook. She always cooks for my family. Sit down meals with my family has always been super important. Everyone shows up to dinner. Everyone is there. Food is always central in our family. And my dad also has a love for restaurants, not like mine, a little less obsessive, but um, I, I've always loved it. I've always just loved the taste of food. And I think after adding on, I became more obsessed with like the technical aspects of it, like reading articles. I know you started the podcast off with an Anthony Bourdain quote, watching TV shows, Anthony Bourdain, reading Jonathan Gold, who is the only food writer to win a Pulitzer for his, uh, for his writing about restaurants in Los Angeles, like getting into more, getting into more, I guess, niche aspects of food in general. Right. And do you think there's like a favorite part about the food world that you enjoy the most, whether it's like the different articles or trying different restaurants or exploring the chefs and stuff like that? I think it's just the shared, the shared, like the community around food. You don't, food isn't about just like sitting and eating alone. It's not just about the taste, but it's about who you're sharing it with. It's about like enjoying the experience around it, around it, sitting for two hours and having an amazing discussion. Some of my favorite restaurant experiences don't even have to do with the taste of the food itself, but have to do with the people I went with. And I say that people who love food love sharing it with people. And I think that's what I love because it's, there's a community around it. I love that because Alex and I, when we like travel together, we go to restaurants together. I think we always talk about like the restaurants we talk about the most are the restaurants we go to together with like a large group of people or even just a small group of people, but people we really love and love enjoying food together. One of our favorite experiences this summer was at Bonnie's, a new uh, Cantonese American uh, restaurant in Greenpoint. And it, and that was, Rose had a different for food specifically had a favorite restaurant on our trip, but it wasn't Bonnie's, but she loved Bonnie's because we shared it with my family and we just had, we sat there for like three hours just talking nonstop. And it's, it's such a great experience. Yeah. And food really does like bond you with people. Like if you're thinking about conversation starters, like Mm -hmm. I think food is definitely one because it's just universal and people are able to bond so easily with it. Yeah. Um, and then, do you have like a favorite um, dining experience like in other countries or I know you've traveled a lot, but is there like what do you when you travel like what do you what kind of restaurants do you like exploring? What do you learn from them? Could you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, that I have a lot to say about the relationship between like food and traveling. I think it's I think it's traveling for me is so I love I love traveling and being able to experience the food of a different place. I think that's one of the best indicators of a different country. When I go, when I go with my family to a different country, we always do a food tour in the city because I think, even though even if it we don't even like the even if we don't even like the food or the restaurants we're taken to, it's the best way to also explore the city in a natural way. And I think that food is like in other countries, especially is what I've noticed is that food is more of like a like, like I said, what I love about food is the family aspect, and I it's more important in other countries for it to be shared with family and community. In the U.S., I think there's more 
food is something supposed to be quick for energy. You get it and you go. And I think that's why places like Sweet Green and Kava and other like grab and go options are more popular in the U.S. And what I love about traveling is recently I was in Spain where I lived for a month with the family for a Spanish immersion program. And every day the family at 2 p.m. would come home and eat lunch together every single day during the work day, like every single day. And there's something about being able to sit for three hours with people and just eat a meal, like a homemade meal. And it's it's incredible. And I think that's something that the U.S. should like people in the U.S. should prioritize. I love I, I can't speak to one experience. Um, I'm trying like there's just so many amazing meals out there. Um, I like, I like there's usually when you travel, I notice there's less diversity in the options in the U S you get a lot of variety of options, which I, I love there's, um, diversity in, in the amount of food you're able to eat. You never, it's a privilege to be able to have access to so many types of food. Yeah, definitely. And then do you have like a favorite restaurant in Los Angeles? Yeah, that's another hard question. Um, I love Republique. That's a classic for me. But I'm going to talk about a recent restaurant that sadly closed down. That was one of my favorites. It's called Needle. Um, and it's uh, they never it was it was it's a restaurant, a small restaurant on the corner of a street in Silver Lake. And it was incredible. Cantonese again. I've, I've all I've mentioned is Cantonese places, but I'm telling you, I I appreciate a huge variety of food, but um, when I went, they they were doing a uh, a skewer pop up, which is like popular Chinese street food inspired by popular Chinese street food, and the things that they do to pork are incredible. They and they've they have had many like different almost like pop ups, different um, different restaurant like pitches. Like they've done a family style idea. They've had this. They've had the skewer idea. They've done they've done takeout options. They've done, but I'm so sad they've closed. But they were one of my favorite places. Family run, um, an amazing place. But I also like I really love fine dining. And Angler in Los Angeles is a very unique place in the basement of the Beverly Center. Amazing seafood. It's an empty restaurant and it's incredible. So highly recommend. You always told me about Needle and Silver Lake, but I never got to try it before it closed. Yes, very sad. We have to, hopefully, that they will open a new concept soon. Yes. Yeah. Um, And then here's kind of a fun question. Um, If you had to vacation in one city, so you're eating there for a week, Mm -hmm. you live in one city, so you get to try different restaurants for, Mm -hmm. like, as you live there, besides on vacation, obviously. And if you had to be in one city for only eating there for one day. Okay. Where so one day, one, one week, week and living there. And living there. Okay, for me, the one day is easy. I would definitely do Singapore. Singapore is somewhere that is super, super humid, so I don't think I could last more than like a week there, but it's also, I've always wanted to try the food stalls there because they have really popular street food, and that's something that's super interesting to me. For a week, I would say that uh, that's so hard, but I think Argentina, I think, because um, the asadas in Argentina, the the different types of meat is just like the meat in Argentina is amazing quality. We usually look at like 
hanger steak as something that is like less quality than like a ribeye but in Argentina like those thin like types of meat like strip and hanger are like prioritized in the meal and incredible for ever for food wise New York City 100% it's such a variety of food I you could there's a I think it's you could eat at three restaurants a day in New York City and not eat and eat and you would finish at all the restaurants in New York City in seven years and if you're eating at a different restaurant three times a day yeah yeah when we Alex and I go to New York together every summer and we do we're there only there for like a week or it's, maybe a it's little basically over a, week. a restaurant tour yeah at this point it's like a restaurant tour and like a walking tour of the city and I feel like we have so many restaurants that we're just like going, 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 and we'll get back and, or we'll finish the week even. And we'll be like, we'll be like, oh my gosh, we don't have any restaurants left. Like, what are we going to do next year? And the next day we'll send each other another article and be like, okay, we're going here. We're we never going to be here. finished. Never. Yeah. We're, we're, I'm already crafting our list for next year, but we will, we'll walk like 40,000 steps a day and then eat at like eight restaurants. It's, it's 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 something that gets me through the school year knowing that we do this together yes yeah it's so fun and I think it also goes back to the point of like no matter like it's not just about the food it's about who you're enjoying with Mm -hmm. um we call in I have so much family in New York and we have so many shared friends who go to New York and while we're there we we pick we pick and like we pick a restaurant that matches that person so we went with our friend Lucas to a restaurant and he's very like meat and like Italian and pasta and we went to Don Angie which is this amazing one Michelin star they're famous for this meat lasagna and um that's where we had the meal and it's I think it's really interesting like a person matching a restaurant or fitting a restaurant yeah Yeah. that's such an interesting point um and then do you want to like turn your passion for food into a career or do you have a dream job surrounding food or I think it's interesting I'm definitely researching I that a lot of the reason I've reached out to so many different people in the food industry is because I'm curious about learning the different uh, about learning about the different careers possible. And one of my favorite, I, I I think I want to do something on the business side. I love cooking, but being a chef is a very hard life. And I think that something I want to be able to incorporate my passion for food without without it being without it becoming work. And I think that's what a lot of people struggle with, like be, having your passion not be something that you then don't look forward to every day because it becomes a job that you don't want to go to. Yeah. Right, yeah. And then what advice would you give to someone who doesn't know where to start and is also as passionate about food like you? Like if you could give yourself advice like two years ago or something, what would you tell yourself? I would say focus less on the focus less on the Michelin star list. And that's what I did for a long while. I'm still, I still focus on it, but I was obsessed with fine dining and three Michelin star, two Michelin star. And those are fun and those are great for special occasions, but it's not indicative of a city or a place. They don't represent that. You're not going to find locals. You're not going to, I say, look at, look at, like Instagram accounts with like 10 followers, listen to podcasts, read articles and follow people who know about food. And I like half of the restaurants that I go to are because I know a food blogger 
and they post an Instagram story about this place. And then I see another person who writes about this place or another person who's been to this place. And it's just being like here, like for me, the best recommendations are from people that I've gained respect for in who I feel that have great taste in food. And it's just about trying new places. Like food is a very easy passion to have. It's so it's, it's very easy, tends to be a little expensive, but very delicious. <laughs> yes, definitely. And do you think like you want to study abroad in a certain place in college um, because of like the food culture? I knew you kind of mentioned that in my like fun question. Yes. Like, Singapore, Argentina. But do you like hope to what do you hope to get out of like that kind of? Trip? Yeah, I think I think Mexico is such a diverse place. I I'm uh, doing abroad is also about the language for me. So I would focus on Spanish speaking countries. I just did Spain. So I would maybe do a Latin American country. I love Mexico. My dad is from Mexico. Half of my family lives there. So, and like exploring places like Oaxaca, which I think is like literally one of the food capitals of the world would be amazing. There's so much, there's so many different regions that have different, that have different dishes that are important to their community. So yeah, I think my answer to that right now would be Mexico. That's so cool. Yeah. And I feel like you're there a lot too, so you kind of know. Yeah, I what's... um I'm I'm I I do the cult it's interesting, but I feel like I've only gotten to explore a couple regions and there's like I said there's just so much variety. Right. Yeah, I think that's so interesting. I mean, I definitely want to study abroad too, but I think like France or Italy or somewhere along those lines or Somewhere in Europe because I just I, love Italian. Food I want to. I want to do for my graduation trip with. Um, uh, I want to go to backpack through Europe and try all these places. France is amazing. Um, England, even though I'm I'm not a beans on toast kind of girl, but <laughs> but they do have surprisingly well not surprisingly amazing Indian food because of the amount of Indian immigrants and after um because india obviously used to be a colony but there's so much there's in in europe i feel like i focused on europe a lot in traveling and food so i want to explore other places like southeast asia i know that's always been a dream for you Mm -hmm. thailand which we have wanted to go to together um and vietnam but i i think that i think traveling is really important it's obviously a privilege to be able to travel and try different places but even in your community I think it's important to like I think especially if you live in the U.S. you're able to have more variety in restaurants so I think just traveling to like the neighboring town and trying a new restaurant or trying to like telling yourself to to go to a new restaurant once a month is something that like is a great way to like start getting interested in food and about the culture around it. Yeah, I definitely agree with that because Alex and I, when Alex first, Alex got me into loving like food yes, and trying I to did. explore things. And Rose used to cook with no, used to cook big, healthy baked goods with no sugar. And I was like, this is not going to cut it. This is <laughs> add, add some sugar, girl. It does not taste good. <laughs> Alex would judge me hard because she has such an elevated palate, but she got really got me into like going out and trying different cuisines and like making it an experience. So during the school year, like we would try to go to a new restaurant, like at once a week, it's yeah. really hard, but one of our favorite experiences is joy, which is a Taiwanese place in Highland park. And that was, 
we just kept ordering. We ordered enough for, I think, like five people. And it was just such an amazing experience. Um, and Rose and I also have our own mother-daughter cooking club, mm-hmm. which also, because we were very busy with school, has only had three three, <laughs> three meetings. But I that's another. And we invite a new guest every week. And we have a theme. And that's another thing I love about food. Um, we've uh, Rose and I have known each other for... Since, since we were two. No, I think longer since we were one, right? For a long time. So 15, 15 years now. So um, I can't wait to try like hundreds and hundreds of more restaurants with you. Hopefully you become a, I'm, I'm hoping you become a meat eater because <laughs> then we can try even more restaurants because that's limiting. Yeah, that's Alex limiting thinks right I'm now. very limited um, with, so we invite, like we we're saying, we like to invite friends to different Who are meat eaters. <laughs> to different restaurants <laughs> because like it's a community, restaurants and creating food and the culture of it it's like a community rose and i have run also run out of things to talk about at restaurants (laughs) because we go out to eat and hang out together so much so we need we need new people to spice up our restaurant lives yes well this was so fun thank you so much alex that was so fun to have you on um unfortunately that's all we have time for for this segment Make sure you stay tuned for our next segment where Nihal will be highlighting how food cultures have been made. Thank you so much for having me. Be the star you are. Light up the flame that burns. Make a world of difference in a world of differences when you support Be the Star You Are 501c3, a literacy and positive media charity dedicated to empowering women, families, and youth. Visit bethestarur.org to make a tax deductible donation today. Everyone counts. Donate today. Be the star you are.org. Be the lucky star you Are you a teen interested in becoming a radio personality? The Positive Message Outreach Program of Be The Star You Are Charity trains dedicated young people to be reporters and hosts on Express Yourself Teen Radio. Visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com for information. That's ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Don't forget to tune in to Express Yourself Tuesdays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Kids, where teens talk and the world listens. Star you are. Light up the flame that burns. Low literacy and poor communication skills have been identified in studies as major contributors to general conduct disorders, psychiatric disorders, criminal behavior, and adolescent suicide. To live and prosper in this society, we must be lifelong learners with access to knowledge and skills that can sustain our lives at work, at home, and in our communities. Be the Star You Are 501c3 charity has been working to increase literacy and improve positive message programming since 1999. You can help by making a tax-deductible donation today. Visit www.bethestarur.org. Everybody counts. www.bethestarur.org. Be the lucky star 
Listening to Express Yourself on the Voice America Kids channel, where teens talk and the world listens. Express Yourself is produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be the Star You Are charity. For more information about our show, visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Now, back to our star teens. Hello and welcome back to Express Yourself. I'm Rose Sarner and here we have Nahal who will be explaining the true meaning of food culture. Hi everyone. For those of you that do not know food culture, it's the practice, attitudes, and beliefs, as well as the networks and institutions surrounding you know, the production, distribution, and consumption of food. And a lot of culture of a certain group of people can be found just through the food they eat. Food culture is usually passed down from one generation to another, and sometimes food culture can be a lot uh, can be lost. But that is what you know, cooking classes and other different types of classes for food can help people gain that culture back. And food culture connects the world together through the love of cooking. Wow! Some different ty- what are some different types of food cultures? Yeah, so some different types of food cultures can be. Um, you know, regional or ethnic dishes, and, you know, they help to show, like, a cult- the culture for what they are. So, you know, some examples can be, like, tacos and enchiladas for Mexican food, egg rolls and dim sum for Chinese food, noodles and sushi for Japanese food, and maybe even, like, pizza, lasagna for Italian food, and even samosas and butter chicken for Indian food. It just, uh, some different types of food culture, you know, it's just some things you may see in restaurants, but there's all could be di- there can also be different types of food that are, you know, just ethnic dishes for people that are of that culture, too. Right. And I know that a lot of these, like, different cultures, um, cultural foods have been, like, ingrained in my palate for years because I've just grown up eating, like, different types of cuisines and different, all from different types of groups of people. And it's really just a great way to experience different cultures. And how long was, do you know how long these food cultures um were known for or when they started or when they started to exist? Yeah, so, you know, food culture has been around for many, many years, for centuries. Um, it's kind of like what defines civil- civilizations and, you know, created trading systems. So, you know, a lot of people may have learned this in their history classes, which was the North Atlantic trade system, um, which was food that came from America, Canada, Mexico, and, you know, was imported to um, Europe and Africa and vice versa. It, this food culture kind of created these different types of trade systems throughout civilization. It spread, you know, uh, the culture of food. It created new foods in different continents. It made hybrids of, you know, different cultures of food. So food culture kind of has built up society for like hundreds and hundreds of years. And it's also been passed down from generation to generation as well. Yeah, and do you have a specific food culture or a culture of food um, in your family? Yeah, so uh, the, like the food culture um, in our family that we have. So my grandma will make a lot of like ethnic dishes at home. Um, and I personally think that she makes it the best out of everyone in my family. Um, but so she makes like some types of dishes. Uh, there's like it's lentils. Um, you know, there's like this squash dish that she also makes. 
Um, she makes this thing called bison bread, which is like fried bread. Um, and it, it's honestly, I think it's been passed down from generation to generation because she said that my grandma's mom taught her how to do that. And further and further on, my grandma's also taught my mom to do that. And she's also teaching my sister as well, um, you know, to make these type of foods. Uh, she's also taught me how to make some, some of those types of foods, too. So I think it's um, really, really cool that, you know, the culture that we have in my family. But I think in all cultures as well, food is just, I think, a really big part of it, too. Yeah. And what re- is there a specific region or place that this comes from in your family? Yeah. So it mostly comes from um, India. So my grandma grew up there and uh, my grandma's parents, everybody grew up there. Uh, my mom grew up in America, but it's it's all from India. Um, and, you know, it's just been passed down. And then, you know, they try, they're trying to teach me and my sister how to make some of these dishes too, so we can pass that down to our kids and so on. So I think uh, it's mostly from India. Yeah. That's such a beautiful cycle, how food is really part of one's family and it's really ingrained in the culture of the family too. Um, I know there's a lot of cuisines that you mentioned that people eat all around the world, um, but what is like, is there a number one cuisine people eat or a most popular cuisine? Yeah, so I would say the most popular cuisine that people eat is Chinese food. Um, that cuisine has like the most, you know, it's it's really diverse in the plan. They've influenced a lot of other countries around them, such as Thailand, Japan, Philippines, um, with their food. Like a lot of those surrounding countries have food that came from China. And I think it's, I think that's really cool how, you know, just one country has surrounded, so, uh, impacted so many other countries around them with the food that they eat. And it also has one of the most unique types of food that, you know, can be used for both like fine, fancy dining and also casual dining. So one of the places that I really like to go with my family. It's called Hot Pot. And, you know, that's a dish that is really popular and a lot of people enjoy. So it's kind of personalized, you know, for any type of person, whether they want something spicy, they don't want it spicy. You can choose which type of meat you want to put it. If you don't want any meat, you can choose which type of veggies to put in like the broth. And I think it's really cool because you're kind of like cooking the food yourself, but, you know, you're enjoying it in a restaurant with your family, your friends too. Yeah, definitely. That's such a cool kind of dish you're making. It's kind of like Korean barbecue where you're like with your family and you're making it, but you're still at a restaurant. I just love those kind of experiences because they're it's more than just the restaurant and the food. It's also about the people and what you're doing in the activities. Yeah. Do you have like a favorite type of cuisine or would it be the cuisine that you grew up with or that's most special to your family or what is your favorite cuisine? Yeah, so uh, I do enjoy the food, obviously, that I kind of grew up with, but I think we make it a lot at home anyway. So when I like do want to go out and eat, I really enjoy like, you know, having either Mexican food or Chinese. Um, I really love tacos and enchiladas, but uh, we used to when I was younger, we used to go to dim sum a lot with my mom's friends. And I really enjoyed that kind of food as well. Um, but my probably my most favorite type of food would probably be hot pot and other than, you know, the cultural food that I have at home, too. Yeah, I want to try hot pot now. It sounds so delicious. Yeah. <laughs> and do you think is food culture diminishing in the world? Yeah, so I think that's one of the biggest questions I had when I was, you know, kind of learning about food culture was that is it diminishing in the world? Like, you know, is it less is, you know 
food became more just people are looking for one thing. And I don't think food culture is necessarily necessarily diminishing, but it's becoming assimilated with other cultures. You know, more cultures are creating hybrids of different types of food. And, you know, many cultures open up their own restaurants and they trade with other countries. So that kind of helped with that hybrids being created. And, you know, it creates like even new types of food and culture for it to a new type of food culture can come about. And I don't think food culture will ever diminish, but it can, you know, combine with other types of food culture to create even better dishes too. Yeah, definitely. It's such an important part of society too. Um, how do you think that food culture um, influences society too? And Yeah, so food culture is like really important to society because uh, I actually found this out when I was learning about food cultures. It really helps with issues like international relationships. It helps combat hate and racism and and like the ignorance of, you know, topics, these very two important topics, you know, it can have really bad, serious consequences. And I think, you know, food culture um, brings the world together. Uh, it helps, you know, kind of let people explore different types of food, whether they like it or not. And I think food culture is really important, you know, for historians, but just people as well to look at it and kind of see how cultures came about and kind of understand why, you know, certain cultures eat certain types of food, whereas others eat different types of food. Yeah, that's such an interesting fact that I've never really thought about how it really helps combat so many um, disagreements in the world. It's helped international relationships between like trade relations, too. Um, so thank you so much for bringing that up. Um, I hope you enjoyed our show today. Unfortunately, we're out of time. And as always, we express our gratitude to Star Style Productions, Cynthia Bryan, Be The Star You Are, and our Voice America Empowerment crew. Especially a huge thanks to our audio engineer, Josh. Thanks to our guests from across the world. And a huge thanks to you, our listeners, for making us a top-rated program. For more information about Be The Star You Are charity, visit www.bethestarur.org. Find us on Instagram at Express Yourself Radio, and always remember you are what you eat. As always, remember to speak up, speak out, and express yourself. Thanks for joining us this week on Express Yourself, produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. For more information about our show, be sure to visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Please join us again next Tuesday at noon Pacific time, 3 p.m. Eastern, when teens talk and the world listens on the Voice America Kids channel. Until then, remember to express yourself. Stars to shine between the lines if you would let yourself.